Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day and welcome to The Call 10 Stocks, picked by you two experts, one hour. It is Friday, the 15th of September. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us. Our two experts on the show today, Claude Walker from A Rich Life and David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Welcome to both of you. David, uh, it's looking like a, a good day to end the week. Yes. Uh, we saw that on global markets as well. What, what are you putting down to that, that um, investor sentiment at the moment? And, and I guess, you know, we're seeing that resilience in the US economy, uh, the opposite occurring in Europe, essentially. I mean, how's Australia tracking in your view? <laughs> oh, look, if you look at the ASX 200 over the last two years, it's been really going nowhere. You know, in fact, it's down about five or six percent. But it's up and down like a yo-yo. You know, I mean, look at last week. You know, we had a big sell-off, and this week we're having a big rally. Mm. End of the week, following on the U.S. retail sales last night, which gave a bit of confidence about the soft landing. But the thing uh, the market's ignoring right now is the bond yields, the ten-year Treasuries and two years, etc., are moving up. They're moving higher, and plus crude oil breaking up as well. Like we're seeing West Texas now, you know, above ninety, and. Um, and you know that's that's got some inflationary implications. So the the expensive high tech sector, you know, expensive stocks in the tech sector, just completely ignoring these fundamentals. It reminds me of the '80s actually, when I was, in, you know, that's telling my age going back. Mm. You know, in the '80s when we had rising interest rates and inflation, and overvalued companies, and that's what you know eventually you know came a cropper in the end. So I'd be very cautious. Um, Personally, I, I wouldn't be so bullish, but it's given a good rise to the resource sector. The resource stocks are flying at the moment. Rio BHP yeah. up, uh, you know, four percent last night overseas. So, well, that iron ore price has continued to yeah. rise, which is well, almost counterintuitive, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of you know, a lot of mix, moving mus- musical chairs out there at the moment. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't get overly excited about the the move last night in the US, mm. and wouldn't be uh, yeah. And then we had the strong jobs number yesterday yeah so the rba is sort of like in a between a rock and a hard place right now mm, mm. claude what are your thoughts you know particularly when you look at the australian market at the moment i guess compared with its global peers i mean how do you rate its performance i mean i think the uh, historical performance is, is sort of always there for anyone to look at i'm not really an index investor though so i am thinking about the the sectors i mostly invest in which is uh, does have a lot of overlap with that uh, sector that David says is is ignoring reality. I do invest in a lot of uh, tech and growth stocks, not exclusively, but a, a lot of you know healthcare, tech, and and growth and small caps. Uh, generally speaking, ultimately, I'm trying to get returns from other uh, the outperformance of individual companies. So that company actually has something quite extreme happening to it. So the human mind generally does tend to underestimate uh, exponential changes. We tend to think linearly. Uh, but as a company grows through some sort of intense demand pull, uh, as long as that's a scalable company, so we're talking capital light, 
Um, some, not all software companies are capital light. Some companies have to inv invest in a very competitive way in, in continually making their uh, products better. Others, not so much. They're, you're looking at business-to-business -business software, sticky relationships. Now, I do agree with David that some of those valuations are pretty extreme, but also you have to look at the um, the forces that are making those extreme valuations. So, look, you know, this time last year, you had you had probably, you know, the nadir for these kind of tech growth stocks and still the valuations were pretty high. Uh, so I do agree with that caution. I myself personally sort of have a strategy where my equity exposure is intended to be the more high risk part. You know, my wife owns the house we live in. I have a lot of cash in the bank, more than the value of my actual portfolio. So, but when I'm investing, I'm trying to get those excess returns. So mm. I'm not investing in stocks so that I can, you know, pay, keep the lights on at home. And, and I don't think anyone should be. All right. Yeah, really interesting perspective from both of you in that regard. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get into it then. Our first five stocks, um, I'm going to take a look at people infrastructure, Shriro, EQT Holdings, Element 25 and Resolute Mining. Our stock of the day is Metcash. Uh, they, it is holding its uh, AGM today. The wholesale retailer reporting a 1.7% gain in total group sales in the first seven weeks of this financial year, saying that the increased cost of living has affected shoppers' behaviour. It's reported a solid sales growth uh, there and expects it to continue while increased cost of living pressures, uh, as I said, uh, impacting uh, what shoppers are doing at the moment. Uh, the group declared a record $308 million in underlying profit after tax in fiscal 23. Uh, earnings per share, they're up 6.4%. Well, let's get into it, get some analysis there in that space. David, what are your thoughts on, on Metcash? And I guess, you know, look more broadly at what we're seeing in the retail space at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, which has actually defied some expectations. Yeah, well, you know, this is a, you know somewhat uh, recessionary proof because it's in the you know that that um, area of um, food and alcohol, etc. Yeah, I mean, not it's not uh, the margins are, are tighter than you know if you look at um, Coles or Woolies, uh, but you know, look, the results have been you know it's okay. It wasn't shooting the lights out, but you know, four point six percent growth in net profit. Now they you know they've I'm just reading the the annual report and the the um, comments from the chairman, you know. They're saying they had stellar growth over the last three years, a 29% increase in revenue, 50% in profits. Yeah, but that was also during COVID mm. as well, right? Mm. So, you know, that was an unusual period. So I, would, I wouldn't take, I'd take those comments with a grain of salt personally myself. But look down here, there, it, it, it does look like good value. I've got to say, Metcash, it's come down to a good support level here. Um, you know, it's got a great you know, yield of 6% fully franked. Um, you know, they're, they're optimistic, their outlook going forward. Um, so it is a defensive sector. So, you know, I, I, I would definitely not say um, it's a sell. It's a, I would even say it's a buy down here. Okay. I think, um, you know, it's steady as she goes. And um, if you've got it, hold. But definitely I, I would be, I would not be adverse to buying it down here. And on the chart, to, you know, because I'm a technician as well, it's looking like it, it's starting to move back up here. Uh, and if you bought it here, you'd have a stop, you know, below, just, just below um, three, around 360, you'd have a stop in place so that's not much downside really but I, I think you know it could move back up to about four dollars and beyond mm. even maybe as high as 420 so down here look it's good value it's on a low multiple about 10 times which is cheaper than Coles or Woolies yep so um but All again right. you know 
it's steady as she goes, really. Okay, not much downside. Claude, do you agree? I agree with David that the, the valuation is undemanding, so we don't need to see a lot of great performance from Metcash for investors to do okay. You do have that 5.8% dividend yield that's fully franked, so it, it grosses up beyond there. So you are getting probably to the level where the yield is, is sufficiently high above you know, what you can get just in a high interest savings account. For one to consider, you know, a small allocation as a dividend investor. However, uh, I, I personally would be more concerned about, I guess, the the short term outlook. My concern with Metcash is, uh, look, I as a customer of you know the independent grocery stores that Metcash supplies, I couldn't be happier, and I'll continue to spend the exact same amount of money at those stores as ever. But I am a little bit concerned that they do tend to be a little bit more expensive than Coles and Woolies, which are the competitors. So I see them as a little bit less resilient, perhaps, than David does. And as a result of that, my uh, opinion of this stock is just a little bit worse than his. So where he says hold, maybe a buy, I would say, look, if you're holding this as a dividend stock, I'd hold on to it and keep getting that dividend. But it's not one I would be buying. Uh, Look, I don't necessarily think there's going to be a recession, but I do think that there might be... um, some behaviors which mean that people are substituting what they might buy at the IGA for something they'll buy at Coles, Woolies or Aldi instead. So for that reason, a hold at best, I Mm. I wouldn't be getting into it. Yeah. Interesting point you make. I've sort of uh, noticed that myself, in fact, that, uh, yeah, they do, those prices do tend to be higher at IGA rather than Coles and Woolies. But a lot of that, I guess, comes up to location. Um, Shoppers tend to go for those supermarkets that are around the corner, don't they, rather than actually going in search of perhaps some bargains yeah. of those uh, those staples. All right. Well, there we go. That's our stock of the day, Metcash. Let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one being uh, it is people infrastructure. People in. Uh, it, uh, Matt wanting to know about this. Uh, he's saying under $2, it looks great value, which will compound nicely over the next decade. So... Interesting, Claude, if you agree. Uh, look, of course, we have seen a slowdown in the recruitment market, particularly in tech and financial services. Uh, just looking at a note from Morgan saying organic growth and acquisitions uh, delivered uh, earnings there, growth of about 29.5% in FY23. So, Claude, what are your thoughts then on people infrastructure? Yeah, this is a real head scratcher for me. Like Matt, uh, the viewer, I've looked at this and thought, damn, that's cheap. That seems like a cheap stock. You know, if if you think if you think Metcash is cheap, uh, PPE is, is is even cheaper. If you look at, I guess, their cash profits anyway, it's actually uh, actually is cheaper, even based on statutory profits. It is actually about closer to ten, whereas Metcash a little bit higher than that. But um, the 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 head scratcher with these guys is that. They have had incredibly great uh, conditions for making profits over the last year. So what they do is they do a combination of recruiting staff, especially in IT and healthcare, which have been seeing booming demand. They also have food preparation and, and farm workers and stuff like this, labor hire stuff. Now, so there's a real few moving parts to think about with this one. First of all, the actual conditions have been brilliant. If you go and look at the ABS job vacancies over time chart, which you can find on the ABS website, you'll see that the job vacancies are massive. They've not recovered from COVID. We saw a whole lot of people uh, that might have been considering, you know, they didn't really need to work anymore. They've got it made. They decided to bow out. 
during COVID, probably because they don't want to get COVID at their work and then die. So, uh, or get long COVID or whatever it is. So as a result of that, you have good demand there and they should have been absolutely making an absolute ton of money. Instead, what's happened is they've given their guidance. They've, they've said their guidance again. They've missed their guidance, right? And that, and when you have this thing of like guidance, guidance, and then miss, it does tend to imply that something's deteriorated at the, at the end there, because either they've just never really good, like they were never good at giving guidance in the first place, or more likely things have been getting worse over time. So that's not a great thing to see. And, and that for me is, is one big warning sign. The other thing that you've got to consider is that the, one of the founders has been stepping away from the business. He owns a chunk of shares. I'm wondering whether part of the reason the share price is so low is because the market is anticipating there's an overhang because he wants to sell. Previously, when he was on the board, Declan Sherman, the board was doing a strategic review, implying they were trying to like maybe even find a buyer, which again is consistent with him wanting to get out. So when you have perhaps a major holder getting out um, and a guidance miss, I mean, I think definitely management have really done and the border management have really damaged their, um, you know, the steam in which they're probably held by having a, a strategic review that failed to find a buyer, giving a guidance that failed to miss. And then now they're saying, oh, you know, international nursing expected to, is um, expected to accelerate in FY 2024 and recruitment for technology is expected to start to improve in FY 2024. Uh, but, you know, on the flip side, in the reality in FY 2023, um, what their, their uh, IP recruitment business was down and they've had ongoing challenges finding candidates to supply to the health sector. So they're all, it's, it's all about is expected to, is expected to. But these things should have been shump, pumping now. And in fact, job ads is coming down a little bit. So if anything, things are probably going to get harder for them, not easier. And I think they've just blown their narrative here. And there's, yeah, as a result of that, I would personally, I do agree it's cheap. And if you really have a gutsy, if you're the gutsy value investor who can hold through the pain and get that dividend yield, um, then maybe this is one that you do want to look at. But on, on top of everything I've just said, you have a Labor government that is definitely going to be trying to make changes to the Labor hire segment, which may or may not hurt these guys. Uh, and there's just too many reasons to be a bit concerned. Mm. So I personally would avoid this one. Yeah, okay, interesting. And yeah, that's a good point, uh, given certainly potentially uh, regulatory changes there as well, that political overhang. David, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, I agree with Claude on the on his comments about the it looks incredibly cheap <laughs> down here. It's on a in a multiple uh, that lays it be better than Metcash. Uh, if you're just looking at the the yield, the dividend yield seven and a half percent, fully franked. I mean, look, they've had steady uh, return on equity around you know thirteen to fifteen percent, which is pretty good. Um, you know, and and these numbers, these latest numbers, were you know were really good numbers. I mean, you know, they just hit over a billion dollars in revenue. Which is up seventy four percent, you know, um, and uh, EBITDA was up twenty nine percent. These are good numbers. So you know they're they're trying to diversify. They're you know looking at um, extending you know the recruitment in in the medical area like nursing, for example, internationally. So that's where they see a growth in that area. Look okay, on these numbers. I mean they've got a good balance sheet, um, and down at this level, you know, it does. I do question because one of the things, you know. I mean, this has been trending down since the beginning of the year, mm. where it was three dollars thirty-eight, and here we are at dollar eighty-six. You got to wonder, well, what's the story here? Yeah. Um, 
but I gotta say, just from a technical point of view, this this is looking like it's it's got some um, support down here and could easily get a technical bounce back to $2.25, maybe even a bit higher, $2.50. So, you know, from a technical and a fundamental point of view, I mean, I wouldn't be aggressively buying down here because, you know, um, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying in these numbers and the comments that I'm reading, um, look, it, uh, you'd have a nibble. I would have a nibble an on an ad. It's yeah. a small cap. Look, it's only only about 192 odd million market cap value. Right. But uh, the fact that they're expanding internationally and diversifying, yeah. I think, um, you know, with the Aussie dollar being where it is, mm. um, it looks very attractive. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly like to talk to management to find out, well, why has the, why has the, the stock price been trending down? Yep. Uh, right. Since the start of the year. Okay. Given, yeah. All right. Well, a bit of a divergent of opinion there, and avoid from uh, from Claude and a well, essentially an ad there from David. All right. So let's move on to our second stock. It is Shriro. Now you may not be familiar with the company itself, but you probably would be in terms of its brands and what it sells. Uh, a lot of kitchen products, although it looks as though it's sort of leaving that kitchen appliances division due to some financial losses there. But it is a manufacturer distributor of home appliances and consumer electronics, uh, particularly when we're talking about car audio, uh, speakers, gas heaters, barbecues, pizza ovens, and the like. David, what's your thoughts on Shriro? Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd avoid this one. This is just not, doesn't tick any of my boxes. Uh, first of all, the liquidity. Um, if you look at the average uh, turnover of the stock, it, uh, you know, it's, it's monthly, it's like $24,000. Right, okay. You know, so just that alone, liquidity is terrible. Uh, they did sell, uh, exit their um, Australian appliances mm. business and the sale of their Amiga brand. Um, and they're focusing on their, you know, watches and um, other appliances. But look at their, their revenue was down 20%, profit was down 40%. Um, it's very thinly traded. Um, look, I just, I can't, I just can't get excited about, um, you know, they're, they're looking at expanding or just selling some American brands. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I I just can't see anything. That's no, right. Any, you, any reason to buy this <laughs> at all? I don't it's, want to push you in that direction. Yeah, but uh, interesting that they are focusing on watches, as you say. But who who buys watches these days? You don't need a watch, do you? <laughs> that's, I don't have. Apparently, one. They're, they're doing very well. Yeah. But, you know, look from from that um, you know July end of July uh, reporting. I mean, the stock just took off. There was big volume mm. that pushed it up, um, and then the, there's a return to uh, capital from the sale. Yeah, yeah we see that business. bump there. And All then right. it's gapped down. But uh, yeah, look, it's not for my... Not okay. For my... Claude, what do you think? Well, look, I think I've talked about this one before, perhaps a little over a year ago. And, and I sort of said, oh, it's probably an avoid for me. And, and actually, the share price is pretty much flat since then. But you would have actually done all right out of like dividends and stuff. So uh, perhaps I've under, underestimated it in the past a little bit. Uh, having said that, it's hardly shot the lights out. Uh, look... This is, I have to say, even though I love it, if we can get a little bit of a disagreement, um, I do agree with David on this one. Uh, the problem with Shriro is that as a distributor, it, it can never really get super excess returns because it doesn't necessarily uh, have some sort of moat uh, that can never be overcome. So it's not really that long-term compounder I'm looking for. It might be something that you'd consider as a sort of a dividend stock, you know, big dividend plus, uh, you know, it's cheap. So you could argue there's sort of valuation support at some point. 
look, they've dis- they've been distributing Casio products for ages, the Baby G watches, all those kind of things. I don't. I think you know, even though they could lose such distributorships, uh, they're probably unlikely to. But you do have that risk of a out of nowhere big hit. Uh, my biggest concern with Shriro though is, uh, say for example, if you look at the stuff they're distributing in terms of the barbecues, they're like really fancy barbecues. Oh yeah, and and the the kitchen stuff, the overhead stuff, it's mm. more of the fancy version. You have even the toilets, the American standard, you know, one of the toilet brands that, you know, can do the more expensive ones, put it that way. So overall, I think my concern would be uh, that they could be having a tough time. And they even said in their commentary, I think actually pulled out the quote. I'm not, I have it in my notes here, but basically they say, look, we are seeing a bit of a weaker consumer as a result of, uh, you know, the, increasing negative uh, sorry this is the quote the impact of increasing interest rates also negatively impacted consumer demand in fy 2023 but particularly subdued global sales for outdoor home products such as barbecues so that was yeah. the quote that i was trying to think of then that's telling you they right in the firing line here uh with the with where their products are positioned so as a result of that i'd probably still can, can uh, say that it is a bit of an avoid for me Having said that, I do acknowledge it's quite cheap and perhaps not a terrible idea. Mm. All right. Well, but maybe not good enough because you're both avoiding it. So fair enough. All right. Let's move on to our third stock. It is EQT Holdings. Uh, It's uh, estate management services, uh, philanthropic uh, funds management, administration, uh, financial planning and the like. Um, Claude, tell us a little more about what your thoughts are on EQT. Well, so a, a little bit out of where I generally look because they are a reasonably large company, but I think there are some, I mean, these are very sort of business-to-business sticky services here, I guess, as, as um, you know, they used to be called equity trustees. I guess, uh, you know, you, you could argue that there's some great aspects of their businesses as their customers grow, uh, their profit or their revenue, and therefore you would hope profits can also grow too. So that's a really nice feature that I would not discard. And that's why it's one that, uh, you know, you could you could quite like. If they just do a good job and, and keep their customers, then over time, all else being equal, they should uh, gradually grow. On top of that, obviously, they're exposed to the Australian superannuation industry as trustees for funds and stuff and then that kind of role. So uh, that's kind of good as well because we do have this sort of inbuilt growth into our super, superannuation industry. Uh, as you know, population grows, there are more and more people putting money into uh, superannuation over time. So a couple of things that you would like about them there. And I think really the only problem that I have with them is that the price doesn't scream. And so first of all, there's nothing super exciting about their growth. I've just explained why I think probably long-term they're okay. Problem is, you'd argue that that kind of modest ongoing growth is priced in. If you looked at the analyst forecasts, and it is well covered, like there are five analysts on um, cap IQ, like they're all sort of like, yeah, straight line up, smooth as she goes, profits going up, uh, revenue going up. You know, it's not really that easy to predict because financial markets can go up and down. There can be uh, dislocations. It's not necessarily going to be a smooth run up. So this is a business that is of good enough quality that perhaps you would consider buying it if there was a, a COVID moment panic sell kind of thing. It, it's quite sticky. So it's not going to probably suddenly lose all of its customers. Mm. Uh, but having said that, I don't see the edge there. So I'd probably call it maybe a hold uh, at best. Yep. Okay. But that you're not enthusiastic, clearly. So fair enough. 
David. I don't see the op- yeah. I don't see the opportunity in it, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to uh, criticize it too badly because it does have some good features. Okay, David. Yeah, look, I, I'd go with a hold at best, um, mm. even maybe take some profits up here because technically, if you're looking at the chart, this is what they call a resistance selling level, um, and you could buy it back at lower levels. I mean, when you look at that longer term picture over three years, it's like you know looking at a heart monitor. It's been like flat line. straight line, flat yeah. line. Uh, nothing exciting here, um, and it's not not overly cheap either on the 22 earnings multiple. Um, so look, there's nothing much more I could really add than what Claude's already said about it. But yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it doesn't it doesn't shoot the lights out for me. It's not certainly not my cup of tea. But you know, for somebody who wants uh, just a steady steady yield of 3.6 percent, fully franked, and you know, it's, cause it's like uh, Claude says, sticky business, at yeah. the trustee area. Um, it looks it's fine, but. Uh, I wouldn't buy it up here. Definitely not a buy. And mm. in fact, you know, it's been like I said in the channel here, between 25 and where it is now, 20, 28, um, or t- just below that. So it could easily come back to that, you know, lower level. I'm going to stick it in the steady and boring uh, basket. That's the one. Yep. Okay. Let's now get into a couple of resource stocks, um, and the first one being Element 25. Uh, formerly Montezuma Mining uh, has got a project in WA. Uh, it's developing battery-grade manganese sulfate uh, products for the energy markets. It has struck a deal uh, with General Motors to supply 32,500 metric tons of manganese sulfate. Mm. Uh, and as part of that deal, GM is going to give them an $85 million loan to help construct a new production facility in Louisiana. Correct. David, what can you tell us about this one? Yeah, look, this this is a really interesting one. I, I uh, will say that I've got I bought some stock recently in this uh, shares in this company. I, I, I for the reason I'll outline now is that um, you know as you said it's um, they're they're in pr- they're producing um, you know high grade manganese and um, and they're not cash flow positive at the moment. But the fact is that they've got the backing of GM and Stellantis. They're two of the oh, okay. two of the top yeah. four motor manufacturers in the US. I mean, Stellantis just completed their first tranche of putting in US $15 million mm. at $1 per share. And here we are, got the stock price at 36 cents. This was just in July. That's the first tranche, and they're putting in the second tranche um, probably in the next uh, within the next six months. But also, uh, like you said, GM are putting in 85 million yep. lending, backing the company. So, and they're going to open up this facility in Louisiana that's going to be the development of a high-grade, high-purity manganese sulfate uh, monohydrate facility So for batteries. So, you know, th- there's offtake agreements. I mean, the, the economic m- metrics of this is unbelievable. I invite anybody to go and look at their latest presentation. But if you look at this, the cash flow um, um, that, that this 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 is going to be multi-decade cash flow of you know they're talking about on a sixty million, uh, sixty-five thousand tons per annum. The US one hundred fifty-five million positive cash flow per annum. It's got a market cap of seventy-one million. I mean that's incredible. A net present value of just under one point seven billion US. I mean what's wrong with this internal rate of return? Of 29% capital required of 289 million US, and 115 million US is being provided by GM and Stellantis. So you know they're in there for the longer term. Mm. So to me, this is incredible value down here for the longer term. 
I mean, you know, the trend is not your friend right now, but, um, you know, I, I think for down here, it's, um, you know, if you're willing to be patient and accumulate some, it's worth holding on to. Because, um, you know, the other, the other factor is that uh, manga, manganese is the single most critical mineral for the batteries industry right now. Right. And that's a comment that uh, came out of, um, uh, what's his name, who's the um, head of uh, the lead expert for McKinsey & Co. Mm. And um, who's on the batteries council as well, said that um, he sees outside China, it is a critical, most critical mineral. So, you know, there's a, it ticks a lot of boxes here, but again, you've got to be patient with it. Yeah, longer term um, play, you, you have recently bought into it. So yes. you, you're calling it a buy then? Yeah, I'm calling yeah. it a buy down here. Yeah. Not aggressive, just accumulate. Yeah. Um, you know, because the trend is not your friend right now, but geez, mm. the, the economics of this project is, and, and the backing of GM and Stellantis is, you know, you can't ignore that, that they wouldn't be backing this company, especially, yeah. you know, Stellantis putting in uh, 15 million US at a dollar mm. per share recently in, in July. Yep. So. All right. Uh, Claude, now we know uh, resources, not your bag really, but look, so uh, add your comments. But I mean, clearly, as we men- as David mentioned there, both GM and Slanders, that's a vote of approval. Yeah, look, I wouldn't want to uh, like undermine, you know, a hypothesis that uh, I haven't, you know, tested myself. I'm definitely not in a position, uh, not being much of an expert on resource stocks to uh, criticize their project or anything like that. The only thing that I would add is it really is a head scratcher. Why would Stellantis invest at a dollar when the share price is is much below that? It makes me wonder, you know, whether I guess if these guys are going to be taking big loans from GM, et cetera, et cetera, uh, who's going to be in the driver's seat? Yeah, I can answer that question. That'd be great. As you can appreciate, Claude, you know, and, you know, (laughs) it's mums and dads and retailers. Like when, look, here's the fact. When a sentiment of a stock is going down, people just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. That's a fact, okay? They ignore the fundamentals and the outlook, and it doesn't matter how much you talk about it, you know. But they also, uh, what's in their favor is under this, um, you know, US, uh, what do they call it, the Inflation Act. Oh, the Inflation Act. Reduction Act. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to be able to get um, a, a low coupon rate from the mm. government and tax incentives mm. for this plant that they're building in Louisiana. So, you know, the funding side, you know, it's not going to be a big issue at all, and especially with the tax incentives and and the supply, the critical supply of minerals. But you know, it's it's the mums of that. There's no institu- It's seventy million dollars market cap. Mm. So you know, when this thing gets up to you know five hundred million, eventually you'd expect that then the institutions, then might, institutions might find are going to start some interest but, there. But it's just mums and dads that are just you know like yeah. throwing. They're just you know people go. Oh, can't stand it anymore. Mm. Sell it. That creates a you know buying opportunity, and when the people are selling the you know like I said the baby out with the bathroom, and we'll talk about that in a moment, especially in the gold sector. This yeah. Like, well, okay. Well, we're about to get into that, but yeah. uh, before we do, uh, so Claude, can you can you give us a pick on it? Uh, look, I'll I'll say it's not for me, but that's not so much a reflection on on the stock as just that I'm super skeptical of mining companies anyway, and and the only mining companies I'd ever consider would be ones that were already sort of cash flow positive and and profitable, and so I wouldn't read too much into it. But it, look, I guess yeah, as I say, the the main thing that I feel like is that because it's so so capital intensive, it, it makes sense. I like that they're going to be add, adding value to the ore and mm. stuff, but. Uh, it because it's so capital intensive, whoever provides that capital and may you know lend them money 
they they can end up being very much in control. So that's the only risk I'd highlight. I'm not saying that that that's a terrible thing. Every every company that does have a big capital intensive project does need to take on uh, debt at some point. Yep. Okay. All right. So that that's uh, E25. Um, we are going to go into gold now. So uh, well, Claude, we know how you feel about resource stocks. I don't know whether you own any gold separate to that anyway, but um, and interesting to see what's happening with the gold price more generally. Uh, but we're looking at Resolute Mining, uh, 700 mil market cap there. Um, its results generally are better than expected from um, as far as the uh, brokers are concerned. And uh, management advising it's on track to meet its guidance. So, Claude, what are your thoughts on Resolute? Yeah, so I mean, if if I were to buy a mining company, it might be because this would be the kind of thing I'm looking at. So for me, if I were to buy a mining company, it would be a matter of, look, I've taken a view that gold's going up and I'd like to get exposure to that. And I think that this business is fairly solid and provides fairly good exposure to, to that commodity. So could it, it could be, uh, you know, lithium or gold or copper or whatever, or manganese, manganese. Um, but yeah, with, with this one, I guess the, where I'd stop short is I, I don't, I'm not particularly excited about gold right now. Uh, I do acknowledge that inflation is still, uh, running higher than it has, uh, previously. And I do acknowledge that, you know, some parts of the recent data, you know, perhaps sent, uh, suggests that I definitely don't think that the inflation problem, I guess, is over, but Generally speaking, I think we've had the big, I think, and I might be wrong, but I think we've had the big inflation scare where gold uh, and, and Bitcoin and all of that, that is supposedly hedges against inflation. I think they've probably had a, a nice period lately. And so I'm not falling over myself to get into uh, gold mining. But having said that, you know, I guess these slightly riskier, but still, um, you know, profitable uh mining companies are a good way to get leveraged exposure to a commodity price if that's what mm. you'd like. So uh, given that it's not un- unusual for people to want to have a little bit of exposure to gold in their portfolio, I guess I wouldn't want to like, I think this is actually a reasonable way to do that. So I'll give it a hold for that reason, but it's a hold with the caveat, which is assuming you want exposure to gold, yeah. which currently right now I- I'm not that interested You're in. You're Okay, David. Oh, I'm taking a totally opposite view here. <laughs> yeah, that's why I am absolutely extremely bullish on the gold sector. Yeah, for a number of reasons. Um, one is I can see a decoupling happening from the US dollar. The US dollar rally because it got higher interest rates. Well, normally you have that inverse relationship. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. not happening now. So mm. gold's holding its own, mm. and I can see with the level of debt and deficits the US is running, it's only a matter of time before you see the US dollar roll over. Now, of course, that's why Bitcoin's been going up in the past and you know holding steady. Is you know um, gold's going to be? I, I think is going to have its day, and it's coming very soon. I am extremely bullish on this sector. Um, and I'll give you the reasons right now, like not on Resolute. Resolute, look, Resolute's okay. It's a West African producer, produces like a good, you know, 300, their forecast is 350,000 ounces um, mm. f- for the next uh, year or this year, full year at 1,480 all in sustaining costs. They're getting around $1,900 US. So they've got a reasonable margin there. 
So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say uh, sell it. You could hold it, but I have a... Well, it's a bit of a woeful chart. You've, you've written it down this, this far. Yeah, well, they had a lot of production issues resolute in the past with mm. their Siam and Mill that they've resolved that now. But this is not my pick. Yep. I mean, if I'm going to go into the gold sector, uh, and especially if it's West African, it's going to be either West African resources or the number one for me is Perseus. Right. P-R-U. Yeah. I mean, the numbers, the cash flow that mining gold producers are spitting out right now uh, even Australian ones gold gold golden road and others and mm. evolution is amazing it, it's just a matter of time I've always seen this before the market picks up you know what they're generating here I mean the profit on just to give you some numbers I would I would switch out of Re- resolute mm. I'd sell that and buy either West Africa but certainly Perseus yeah because you look at the the profit here is just unbelievable there you know, they've got $729 million in the bank. You know, their, their basic earnings per share is up 67%, net profit up 103%. Mm. Their cash flow they're generating is unbelievable. I mean, these numbers are incredible. And, and um, you know, they're producing 520,000 ounces. They've got a margin of just under $1,000 US per ounce. So you multiply that by over 500,000 ounces, that's like 500 million US. So you take the enterprise value when you take away the cash they're holding away from the market cap of 2.4 billion, uh, you get to 1.6 billion and you look at the profit, they're on an earnings multiple and enterprise value of three to four times. Hmm. That's well below the average of the Australian gold sector, which is 14 to 15 times. So there is a re-rating, I promise you, coming in this sector. <laughs> so I've got a strong buy on yeah, the gold sector. But not this one. But not this one. Yeah. Um, if, if you're gonna go, you know, pick of the gold stocks it's going to be this one um, yep. Perseus or secondly Golden Road if you want an Australian you know and people talk about sovereign risk in West uh, hello it's the third or second largest gold producing region all the big guys there are Barrick Newmont mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous to even say that they've been there for decades decade. alright well we should have had you on our investor event yesterday uh, David where it was all about gold particularly for the bulls there alright well let's sum up the first half of the show where the stock of the day Metcash it is holding its AGM today it is uh, showing um, what's well, indicated some concerns about what's going on in the consumer sector at the moment given the cost of living pressures uh, so it is a buy from David. It looks good value at these levels. Uh, not much downside. But uh, Claude pointing out he is concerned about the short-term outlook. Uh, so it's a hold from him. Uh, in terms of those ones as picked by you, people, infrastructure, and avoid from Claude. Uh, talking about it's, uh, the founder's been selling. Uh, it's missed its guidance. David, though, opposite view there. He says it looks cheap, has the technical support there. He'd be adding to it. Uh, Shriro. The home appliance company, look, it's an avoid from both. Um, not a lot of interest there. Uh, EQT Holdings, a hold from Claude, nothing exciting. Uh, in fact, um, I think both agree it's steady and boring. It's also a hold there from David, perhaps saying no, you, you could take some profits in EQT. Uh, E25, uh, Element 25, in it is in manganese, uh, has those offtake agreements with both GM and Stellantis. David's pretty excited about it. He did buy recently, although it's not profitable, he points out. He'd be accumulating, uh, but uh, Claude is more sceptical. Uh, he's just not interested in that space. And Resolute Mining, finally there, that gold miner. Uh, David talking about how bullish he is in the gold sector, but not this one. So you'd say sell Resolute to buy another gold miner, in particular Perseus and Gold Road. And uh, Claude's saying, look, he's not into gold, but he'd call it a hold if you do want some gold.
I didn't mean to rhyme that, but there you go. <laughs> All right, let's uh, catch up with our own uh, Kai Conviction Fund, which is Peak Bar Investment Committee. The latest episode of that is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. Checking in on the update, going into September, Paradigm Pharma out, giving way to Challenger, which also received 1% trims from each of Altium and Paladin. So in terms of its performance, the fund is up 10.5% on a cumulative return basis since inception at the beginning of March last year. So keep sending in your request and keep the call switched on to see which SOX our committee we're looking at next. So next half of the show, we're going to take a look at Wintonland, Integral Diagnostics, Supply Network, Infomedia and Pepper Money. So let's begin then with Wintonland. Now this is not one I've come across before in terms of certainly doing it on the call. It is a Kiwi-based property developer. Uh, and uh, part of its strategy has 78% of its portfolio of units in residential lots, retirement units, uh, full year results there of 73 million. Claude, what can you tell us about Winton Land? Uh, well, basically it's uh, dual listed. So this is a New Zealand company, essentially. It does have an ASX listing. That ASX listing super illiquid, by the way. So yeah. hence why your chart is... Uh, showing up something mm. that like doesn't mean anything, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's because it uh, look it, ne- it basically never trades on the ASX. Uh, so if you were looking to buy this, you just have to be super aware of that. Uh, you know, you want to be using limit orders. Uh, you can't just hit the bid on it. You might even, if you're a retail shareholder, have a situation where you know Comsec or something stops you putting in a bid because it's too far from last traded. Blah blah blah. I would generally just say this might be a little bit in the too hard basket just yeah. for that reason. But even if even so, just look, it's New Zealand listed, so we can still talk about the stock. Uh, basically, it's a, a land developer, a house built, like builds uh, dwellings, units, etc. Uh, and I don't know, it looks like that they didn't time things too well. They had a huge year of um, selling last year when the uh, New Zealand stock uh, property market took a hit. And now they're saying that even though they reckon that the New Zealand property market's going to pick up in FY 2024, they um, are going to have less revenue because they don't have as many settlements and stuff. So it mm. doesn't seem to have been done, handled too gracefully by them there. Having said that, you know, long term, they do have population growth on their side. Uh, but this is a capital intensive uh, business, you know, developers generally pretty small margins, definitely not somewhere I'd want to play. The dividend yield is yep. not high enough to, to, to entice. All right. No, then. Look, we are running short of time, so, Dad, yeah, we've been on no. a brief of Winton Land. Oh, look, it's an avoid. It's, you know, average yeah. monthly, average weekly turnover of the, of the last three months is $555 worth of shares. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Goodness the, the profit's good, but look, no. All right. Okay. Look, that's uh, pretty much agreed then. Let's avoid that one. Let's move on then to Integral Diagnostics, a healthcare services company, uh, imaging to. Uh, uh, to medical pr- practitioners both here and in New Zealand. Uh, management, they're reaffirming expectations that margins are going to likely to recover by FY26. Doesn't have guidance. Uh, David, what can you tell us about integral yeah, diagnostics? That's not my cup of tea. That, like, look, tra- just on the, based on the trend, the weekly and the daily trend is down. Um, you know, their, their return on equity is really poor. You know, the last couple of years is, you know, below. You know, around five percent, two percent yield. I mean, look, it looks expensive. It's, it's got a multiple here of like, if this is accurate, forty-four times on their earnings PE. It's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, but sixteen brokers. It's got good coverage. I've got an mm. average price target of three dollars thirty-five. Don't know why, but it is in the healthcare sector. But look, just the fact that it's trending down, 
and just looking at these numbers and expecting growth a couple of years down the track, yeah. it's, it's not one for me. It'd be a sell for me. I'd be moving something else that's growing um, rather than this one in the healthcare sector. All right. Claude? Look, I think that David has eloquently savaged it. It is a roll-up of uh, radiology companies. It should be a really good company. The reason it has a, a silly multiple and so much broker coverage, in my point of view, is because you know it constantly needs to raise capital for its next acquisition. So the brokers are falling over themselves to cover it and get in their good books, give it a high price target. Um, you know, all of the genuine normal stuff that you get with these kind of companies. So, yeah, personally, you know, if you had a really great owner operator that run a tight ship, this could be a good business, but I wouldn't touch it. It's a, you know, it's got heaps of funds in there. It's always just let's just leave it for the professionals here. And I'm, I'm, for, for people that are looking for long term buy and hold compounders, I wouldn't mm. bother. No, oh. look here. All right. Well, we're whipping through these then. That's another one that we're avoiding. Okay. Let's see how what we think then of Supply Network. It uh, now this this is under the MultiSpares brand it, with a focus on road transport. Like essentially, it supplies uh, truck and bus parts. Um, so, Claude, let's start with you then. Is this one you've looked at before? Yes, actually, this one's actually one that I followed for a long time. I own shares in it myself, uh, by way of disclosure there. Uh, I don't think the one-year chart really tells a story. They've had a pretty lucky year. Um, th- these guys do uh, bus and car uh, and sorry, truck parts. So, you know, they've really benefited from the aging of, of fleets generally, you know, supply chains for new vehicles as it's well publicized become became very uh, sluggish during COVID, which means you have aging fleets which means you need more parts to you know keep them running i think that gives you the five year gives you a better view of what these guys have pulled off but these guys are the opposite of integral diagnostics they've grown largely through organically setting out where they want their next distribution center and this is a key point that i wanted to raise because they do have uh, maxi parts a listed competitor that trades at a lower multiple and actually could still be a pretty interesting stock itself. And so I'm in no, man, no means against uh, MaxiPart, which is cheaper. But the reason competitively I think Supply Network is better is because Supply Network has grown very much as a result of organically building out its distribution centers. Now think about this. This is about distribution. It's about having the widest range of inventory that is available as close as possible and therefore as quickly as possible to where your customer needs it. You are going to have a better distribution network if you sit down with the with your managers, with your CEO, who's, by the way, served there for many, many years and is very publicity shy. Um, I don't think he's ever been on Ausbiz, for example. I've never, I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not out there blowing their own trumpet or anything. They, they're, they're building a good business. And I think that there is actually hidden demand for their shares because what we did see is um, one of the, you know, the the long-term insiders sell a million shares, which, by the way, I'm not too worried about because, you know, the, the actual holdings, you know, 12 million shares or something. So taking some off the table mm. at $15 and, you know, we haven't seen the share price really, it's just sitting there at $15, you know, it's not like, there's just the market has absorbed huge unusual volume for the stock and it's just absorbed it. 
So I think that there are people out there, like I'm talking about small cap fund managers, et cetera, who do think that this is a good company, but they've just usually been unable to buy shares because it's so illiquid and because it's been so tightly held. You've seen those shares snapped up, 3.2% dividend yield, not massive, but not bad either. And you have, you know, high insider ownership, good, non-boastful management and a genuine, I think, moat because they have the best distribution network. Plus tailwinds if that if the um if the fleets continue to age. So if you want to play on population growth, this one this one is a good play for me, and I own shares in it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so is that a buy then? I, I do think it's a buy. I look, yeah. I bought it at lower prices than it is today, so don't say don't like say oh I'm buying right now. Okay. But I think you could you could carefully. I don't have again. I'm not selling, and if anything, I would buy. I'm reinvesting my dividend. Put it that way. Although they also have a scheme where you get quite a discount if you reinvest your dividend. So, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Yep. David, do you agree? Uh, look, yeah, I wouldn't be buying it up here. It's certainly best at best hold. In fact, I'd, I'd be looking at taking some profits because um, I've got a technical indicator here that, you know, is a popular one that most technicians use called a relative strength index. Mm. And when I'm looking at the daily chart, there's what I call a bearish divergence on it, which signals to me like you could get some selling here. So, um, you know, it's had a fantastic run and the numbers justify it. You know, when you look at the return on equity from you know, four or five years ago, it's gone from 23% return on equity to 40%. So much better than the previous company we looked at. You know, earnings per share growth is strong, good, you know, um, revenue growth. So it ticks a lot of boxes, except as Claude mentioned, the liquidity. Uh, you know, it's very tight shareholder register. So the liquidity is an issue, um, you know, and it wouldn't take much if, um, you know, you had a major shareholder want to sell out, you know, boy, you'd know about it. So I, I don't like it for that reason. I wouldn't be in it. But, you know, if you're in it, hold it. It's paying a reasonable dividend of 3% fully franked, but it looks fully valued up here at 23 times earnings as well. Okay. So, uh, you know, and it's not a big cap, you know, it's 600 odd million mm. market cap. So, yeah, but the trend's been... Fantastic since the lows. Yeah, yeah, COVID. impressive. Uh, you don't have to look at that. Uh, it's, it's, that o- it's often been around this PE ratio. It, it does have a good growth rate to back it up. That's what I would say. Mm. Um, although, yeah, it's not like equity trustees. It's not, like not that good a growth rate. It yeah. has a pretty good growth rate. Yeah, so. it's got a good. Yeah, it's okay. Let's move on to Infomedia. It is picked by Toby. It's um, provision of uh, IT solutions uh, for developing supply software as a service. Uh, particularly serving the automotive and, and oil industry too. Uh, it's uh, cash earnings most recently outpa- outpacing uh, consensus there. Uh, it's also been, uh, well, the analyst noting it's uh, had impressive uh, cost controls there as well. David, Infomedia? Yeah, look, I, 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 I wouldn't buy, you know, this is not a buy for me. In fact, it's a sell. I would be moving on to some, just looks expensive. Again, it's 40 times multiple. I mean, you know, getting Claude's um, comment, I, I agree with the, the previous stock that, you know, it does justify a whole higher multiple based on mm. their earnings growth. Um, but I, this one doesn't in my book. I'm just looking at the, the earnings here and it's just like pretty flat line to down. So it's two and a half percent yield. It's on 40 times. I, I just don't get it. Um, seven brokers have a price target of $1.90. Uh, it's, you know, it's got a market cap of five ninety, but Look, it's uh, the trend is crossing down here, so this is a sell for me. Um, I, I just and I just look at it from a historical perspective. You know, going back three years, look at it. It's it's really that that shows you the earnings mm. growth. <laughs> you know? 
So it's, I don't know, I, why would you be in it? That's not for me. I'm looking for high growth, um, earnings growth. And like the previous company has got that. And so it's half the multiple of this one. Yeah. But it's just illiquid. That's mm. the problem with mm. the, the last one. Yeah. This one's a bit more liquid. Okay. Claude. I, I most I pretty much agree with what David said, but I do want to add something because I have something to add on this one. And, and it's, I guess, why would you want to buy in, Infomedia? And where my little opportunity alarm goes off here is, look, everything you said is correct. The history of this company is like, uh, it's kind of a legacy software company, struggle to get all, any organic growth. It's all about cost, cutting, cost, cutting costs and you know Im- improving the profit by that reason. But the thing, and they did have a takeover, a potential takeover a while back that then fell through. The thing that gets me uh, interested about this more than anything else is just the repeated director buying. Are you just seeing this pattern of director buying over time that is making me think that I would not be surprised if the outcome here is if they've spent a few years getting the ship in order, it has looked pretty ugly. We may well, you know, the analysts certainly believe we're going to see much better results next year. I feel like they might be trying to put their best foot forward in the next couple of years to have a few good years of results and, and maybe even sell the company or something like that. Mm. So that's my thesis for why it's I don't know it. I, I'm not saying that I'm on board this thesis, but that's the answer that I would have to David's uh, perfectly valid question, which is why would you own it? Yep. All right. So would you hold it though or just just, just a no? I would, I would hold. You know, if you yeah. hold, you've probably convinced yourself of the thesis at some point. If that thesis is that you think that there could be an, a good FY 2024 coming, yeah. I also think that that might be true. So All right. if that's your thesis, I'd do it. I'd hold it. Yep. Okay. Good one. Let's round it out then with Pepper Money, uh, Consumer Finance. Uh, lending, residential mortgages, uh, those first half results were below estimates. Um, and I guess you've got to consider rising rates, uh, deposits there, uh, just in terms of competition from the big guys. Uh, Claude, what are your thoughts then for Pepper Money? Look, in a more than 10 years of, of studying, I guess, like small caps and looking at almost every profitable small cap that's come on the market, I struggle to think of a single example of this kind of, uh, you know, sub subprime lending company that uh, does well in the long term. Like, I guess probably the only kind of related one I could think of that was sort of okay would be like something like mortgage choice. So, but that's not even really the same. I mean, this is way worse. Uh, you get some catastrophic blowups in this area as well. And I just can't think of a single one that succeeds. So I would say, Usually with this kind of company, like, you know, if you if you don't know who the patsy at the poker table is, it's you. Um, I would not be getting involved in this. Okay, that's a big avoid. Like sell. I, would, I don't even know why you ever bought it in the first place. Um, you can't seriously think that the other guy, the seller, didn't know more than you about the quality of their book. So, yeah, just forget about it. All right, David. Yeah, look, there's so many in this space, very similar, and I agree with Claude's comments there. I mean, look, if you just look at the numbers, you know, the, the strong growth for this company has been in asset finance originations, but their mortgage originations, which is a highly competitive area, mm. has fallen by 36%, and hence why the share price took a dive. So, you know, 56% of their business is from mortgages, 41% from asset finance, and 2% loan and other servicing um, uh, provisions. So, um, you know, they've got restricted, unrestricted cash of 79 million, no debt. Uh, well, they've got funds under management, which has been growing. But, you know, um, to Claude's point, I just think in this area, if you, you know, you can find, look at Money Me, 
look at Resimac, <coughs> their, cost, their cost of borrowing funding is going up. So they've got to increase their, their, their um, rate that they're lending out to. And like Claude said, they've got to take on high risk. Like you said, getting into almost subprime lending. Yep. And you know, you speak to any builder out there who can't get a loan from the bank, they'll come to these, these mm. people. Mm. So there is a higher risk component. And you know, I just go back to the 80s when you know, we had our credit crunch and um, you know, when, um, uh, especially you know, uh, when, when we went into a recession, um, you know, banks just stop lending and these, these guys just go out of business. And, you know, it's just a risk, it's a high risk area. Yep. And Pennies so, in front of a steamroller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm taking that as a double avoid then uh, for Pepper Money. All right, let's uh, summarise the second half of the show. We began with, well, in fact, look, the, the second half was largely negative, maybe aside from one stock. Winton Land, no, uh, says Claude, look, it never trades on the ASX. And uh, David, and avoid there is New Zealand-based property developer. Uh, Integral Diagnostics, also pretty negative there. Uh, David's saying it's very expensive. He's got a sell on it and uh, Claude is avoiding it. Uh, he's saying it should be a good business, but well, it's not. It's always raising capital. Uh, supply network. Now, this is perhaps the one bright spot for the second half of the show, although Claude points out it is tightly held, uh, has grown organically, though it's a, a positive, got a genuine moat too, he says. It's a buy from him. Uh, David, though, more of a hold. He said more likely to take some profit at these levels, given how well it's done over the last couple of years or so. Infomedia, it is a sell from David, uh, looks expensive. He's uh, looking at the chart that's telling him it's a sell. A hold there from Claude. And finally, their pepper money, where well, we just heard what they both thought it is an avoid for pepper money. All right, thank you to our guests. Claude, thanks for joining us from A Rich Life. Thank you for having me, it's been a great arvo. Good one, and David from Wealthwise Education, always Thank good to catch up. Pleasure, my pleasure. Now, any stocks you'd like us to cover, you can go to ausbiz.call forward slash callpicks or tweet us at ausbiztv. Stay with us, The Pulse is up next. Mm-hmm.